Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. The text that we're looking at today is really from Genesis. And uh, before, if you do not have a bulletin, get one. If you do not have a pen to write in your bulletin, there's some on that white table back there where these warm bodies are coming in now. Go get you one. And because there are several blanks on your bulletins that need to be filled in. And if I do it right, you'll know what the answers are. If I don't, well, you're on your own. Before I begin giving people some time to come in, there's a few things that I need to tell you. Now, I have to be kind of careful because I'm, I, I have to, I'm going to tell you these things, but I have to protect the names of the people involved. A lot of really good things happen in a church like ours, and maybe especially this one, because we started off <clears throat> with these things in mind. That Christianity was more than just showing up at church. It's actually a lifestyle of serving Jesus with whatever is needed that we may have to share with others. And in our congregation, there are lots of things that take place of significance that we seldom ever talk about. For instance, over in Kentucky, there's a Christian lady. She's a widow lady. She lives in a trailer that uh, the ceiling functions as a shower, if you follow me. It leaks badly. A family in our congregation gave her the money for a down payment on a house. She's now in that house. Some people here helped, went down and painted it when it was time to put uh, the paint on the walls and so on and so forth. But she's now in that house. We're talking about a generous gift of thousands of dollars just for that one thing. But because people are so sensitive about that, because the Bible says that if you get a lot of it, if you give it to get attention, that's all you're going to get from God. And so it's been given in the right frame of mind. There's a young man, he was here this morning, he's sitting in the car now out front. He has stage four cancer. His whole body, he came in and I talked to him a minute. And uh, we baptized him here probably a month ago, I don't know. Anyway, Jeffrey Craig is, he's not long for this life probably. They told him six months at best. He'd gone locally to the cancer clinic. He went to Cleveland Clinic and then we encouraged him to go to Houston just to look at everything for hope. There are, two, there are only two places in the United States that, that deal just with cancer. One is Anderson uh, at uh, Houston, Texas, and another one is in New York City. And they, the only thing they deal with there is cancer at those two hospitals. He said, I just don't have the money to go. And someone brought in a check for a few thousand dollars to send him down there. The announcement that he received wasn't good, but at least his family and everybody knows he's pursued every avenue to try to stay alive. Last week he wasn't here because his son was baptized in a church out of Manford, and I told him that's where he needed to be because the son was here when he was baptized. We don't ordinarily talk about those things, but because of the nature of the sermon today, 
I need to tell you that those things are being accomplished here at our church. And I need to, at the same time, protect the people who are being that generous. Alice Kay received a call from a Christian brother. He said, you know, we've really been blessed financially. Is there something there at church where we can really help? And he's in the process of paying tuition and some other things to send a young man through college. He's in his... And, and uh, that young fellow's getting straight A's. And so he's sending him through college. Anymore, you all know, you're talking about thousands of dollars. When Patrick and Eddie were here, two of the folks here paid all of theirs. Well, one of our couples gave them a place to stay, apartments, rent-free, da-da-da-da-da, help pay their tuition. So when they went back to Uganda, they went back with all of their bills paid. And they even had a master's degree while they were here. Those things are done without us saying, you ought to do that. These are people who have stepped forward and have put their money where their mouth is. I tell you that simply because of what we're going to be talking about here in just a few minutes. There are other people that we need to be praying for. <clears throat> for instance, Susie Bum, uh, Riddlebarger is going to Houston here in a week or so. She has breast cancer, and we need to keep her in our prayers. She was here last night. Brenda Lester is going to head for Cincinnati. There's some spots internally that are ugly to look at. And so uh, you'll need to be praying for those folks as they go. Now, I wanted to lay these people, th these things out for you ahead of time so that I don't, in the, in the midst of the message, so I can get you out of here before supper time. Uh, you're supposed to smile when I say things like that. That's all. That won't hurt you. Now, we're talking about how creation glorifies God. How creation glorifies God. But there's a lot more to it than you would just get from hearing that subject announced. The Bible, and I'm not going to try to prove that God created everything. I'm simply going to call it to your attention that this is what the Bible says. I have been accused of having been there when he did it because of my age, but that's not true either. The Bible is very clear that what God did is that he had a goal in mind. And this, and this is why I mentioned those things earlier. The goal in mind was to create a people who would reflect who he is. He would bring into existence a place for them to live, but the goal wasn't the place. The goal was the people. And the people... Their objective, his objective for them was for them to be free to choose to serve God to the extent that the very life that they lived would testify to who created them. The ultimate goal was to create a kingdom of God. Jesus would be the king. A kingdom where these folks who chose to serve God, who created them, would then transition from this world to that world. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details, I just, but I need to get this straight. So it starts off with saying, God 
created everything. There was no stuff in existence. And God spoke into existence stuff. That, that, so we're saying that out of nothing came something. He created stuff. That when you bring something into existence out of nothing, the fancy word for word four-letter word for that is fiat, F-I-A-T, bringing something into existence that didn't previously exist, created. So where all this stuff, and then but when you read carefully those opening verses, the first two or three verses of the book of Genesis. It simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, everything in the universe. But there was a problem there. He hadn't finished yet. Now, the earth was formless. This is stuff that he created. And the stuff was formless and empty, and darkness was everywhere. Now, there's more to it that I'll get to in a minute. John the Apostle John, commenting on that Genesis 1 verse, said this in the opening verses of the Gospel of John. In the beginning, and by the way, we, those of you who love baseball, we call that the big inning. For those of you who don't play baseball, that went over your heads. But anyway, in the beginning was the Word. And this word for word is logos, which, me, which is a... Greek word of referring back to Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now get that verse 3. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and that light shines in darkness. Okay. Now, so, the, so he's saying, in trying to put this together, God existed eternally, but the universe didn't. God spoke it into existence, and he began with just bringing the stuff needed to produce it. It had no organization. And it wasn't capable of producing anything except chaos. It was a chaotic assembling of a mass of stuff. And then something happened. God, who is spirit and not stuff, it says the spirit of God was hovering over the stuff. Now, what he's doing here is saying... What really happened here, there aren't words in English or any other language capable of adequately expressing it. But the closest we can do is to take language and describe it as best we can. And so if you've ever seen a dove flying along and then all of a sudden that dove sees a worm down here or a bug crawling, that, that dove will come in and lift his a little bit, and he'll start flopping his wings and staying right there. He just hovers there before he goes to do his job. He was saying that God, the Spirit of God, like a, using the dove as an illustration, like a dove hovered over the stuff that he had brought into existence. And in so doing... Turned that stuff into a functioning universe with ground that produces. And then he filled it with animals. And he said, and to you, be, to you vegans, he said, they're good for you to eat. So I'm going to put canine teeth in there for you. Canine teeth are for eating meat. Now, if you choose not to eat meat, that's your problem. Save your money and send me to the river. I'll go. I'll represent you well. Now, the problem that existed then is that mankind, mankind, 
was to be a free moral agent to choose whether he would serve God or wouldn't. For you see, God was saying, in this, in this eternal kingdom that eventually we will get to if we serve him, there's one thing that has to exist. Can't exist without it. And that's agape love. Which means that we, in trying to be like God and imitate God so that we can transition to his eternal kingdom, must learn to love the way he loves. And that the way he loves means I'm willing to deny myself of things and time in order to bless you when you need it. And Christianity without love is not Christianity, it's just talk. This type of self-denial, he said, because that's who God is. That's the way he functions. What did Jesus do? He gave up, he sacrificed life in a, in a, in a kingdom where there is no sin to come to earth with sinners to pay the price for our sins. In other words, self-denial in order to bless someone else is what love really is. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling because sinners can have warm, fuzzy feelings. Agape love is something you do, not just something you say. And so as a free moral agent, his initial creation chose because Satan existed, evil existed before creation. We call him Satan, the devil. Mother called him Old Scratch, and I don't know why, but she did. That's why, and so that's kind of stuck in my mind. And, and so God's ultimate creature chose to turn his back on his creator and to become a selfish jerk. The result of which was on more than one instance mentioned in the Bible, God said, hey, we can start all over again. And he did once, the flood thing we all know. But he, he, he was willing to on more than one instance. Let them go and we'll start again. When Moses, when the people, when the Jewish people re reacted negatively against Moses, even his brother and sister, Moses, you see, married a lady with some more pigmentation in, his, in her skin than he had in his. Racism existed then. And his brother and sister got all shook up about it. And finally God said, Mose, here's the way it is. This bunch doesn't deserve to exist. And if you say so, I'll get rid of them and we'll start again. You say, well, where's that found? I, I heard you say that. It's in the 10th chapter, or 10th verse of the 32nd chapter of the book of Exodus. It says, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, that I may destroy them. And then I will make from your seed a great nation. The rest of that text, Moses said, pleads for his people and said, I know they're a no good bunch, but I love them. Please let them live. And the Lord said, okay, but you know I offered. And that's not the only time that happened in Scripture. God was willing to start over. Well, now then, let's go from the hovering of the of God over creation, bringing order and, and function to his creation. For we will say more than once this morning that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is in control and accomplishing his will, there is order and function and good results. For you see, now we'll go into the New Testament for a little bit and see if we can find that Spirit of God hovering again. And we do. When Jesus was baptized, you recall, 
in the Jordan River by his cousin John. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of God was hovering like a dove. Because what God was doing through Jesus wasn't trying to fix Israel. What he was doing, he's starting all over again. For he even illustrated it this way. He said, hey, this isn't fixing Israel. They're beyond help. This is going to be opened up to all of creation. Jews, Gentiles, black, white, whatever. Open. Everybody in God's eyes is exactly the same. And they're going to be given, regardless of where they live, they're going to be given, if they'll hear and obey the gospel, access to God's eternal kingdom. I'm going to start over, all over again. There's going to be a a new creation, and it's called the church. New creation. Each convert that comes into this kingdom is a new creature because the old person that he, when he and I'm, not, I'm talking about converts now. I'm not talking about joiners. There's a difference between joiners and converts. Joiners, we've had them here when we were running 1,200 people or 11, 1,200 people every weekend. We had people that would come here, really nice folks, you know, dressed to the hilt who thought that if they came to a church of this size, it would benefit their business, and so they came here. The the only insult about that was they thought that I was too stupid to know the difference. I can smell them coming like that. No, we're not talking about people who join. We're talking about people who are converted, who knew they were lost, and repented of their sins and came to Christ. And God said, that old person that you were is dead. Let's bury him. And that's the picture of baptism. Keep them down. Sometimes we don't hold them long enough. But anyway, the idea is, the picture here is, the person that you were in the eyes of God ceases to exist, and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, people won't let you live that way, but God does, thank goodness. Because people keep bringing up what you used to be. Each convert is a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, just so that, because uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a stickler about anything that we, where we come down this hard on things, you ought to be able to prove it from Scripture. And here in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, down about verse 16 or 17, it's 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has go- is gone and the new has come. All this is from God. So, What God has said was, I'm starting over. And this time, to qualify for entrance into God's eternal kingdom that will exist one of these days, I'm going to create a people through faith in Christ and empowering them with my presence called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. I will equip them to qualify for citizenship in God's eternal kingdom. And the way I do that is is because of their own, they can't cut it. But if and when they will permit themselves to be governed by the hovering presence of the Spirit of God, they will become godly people. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm about creating people who can make the transition from this life to God's eternal kingdom without really changing much. Even though that eternal kingdom has some things there that's beyond our comprehensive powers, it's that good. The way he says it is, 
eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the minds of people the things that God has in store for those people who enter into that eternal kingdom. But in the meantime, those new creatures, and you see, <coughs> the church, I got in some trouble last night with my first wife, and so I've got to clean this up a little. <laughs> it wasn't funny, <laughs> if you get what I mean. Anyway, time I got in the car, I caught it, you know. And she has freedom to do that, but I have the freedom not to like it. But that's the way it is. What I'm saying is this. In all of life, if there's a church having difficulty, somebody in that church is not permitting the hovering Spirit of God to direct their life. If there is a marriage and it's in trouble, someone in that marriage is not permitting themselves to be governed by the hovering Spirit of the God Himself who is there and promises never to leave you nor forsake you. Here's where I got in trouble, so I'll, I'll just kind of clean it up. And I, I can't use you, I have to use me. I was 20 years old when I got married. Alice Kay was 18. Now here's where I got in trouble. So help me out. Escort me out if you need to, and feed me lunch if you need to. The truth of the matter is, a 20-year-old boy looks at a girl, and about 90% of what goes through their head is sexual-related. Now, what the girl sees, what she saw in me, I was a star on our basketball team. I had my name in the paper probably almost every week. She was getting a super stud, see? That's the way it goes, Hoss. And I was getting what I thought was, number one, she was straight A's. Number two, she had a classy chassis. She had the prettiest long blind hair you ever saw. And I saw her going up the street, first time I ever saw her. She was going up the street with very little on, pitching this round up in the air and catching it and twirling it in front of a marching band. So I thought the band was here promoting her up front for me. So what do you do if they make a production like that? That's what you go after. And, uh, and, and the thing that irritated me was, she had more boyfriends than Carter had little liver pills. And how do you get rid of them? I still don't know. But anyway, it all worked. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Young folks like that, preacher or no preacher, are not giving any credence at all to what the Bible says and yeah, you're thinking about hot diggity dog, you know. Now, unless somewhere along the line, that physical attraction has, is infected by the presence of the hovering Spirit of God, sooner or later that relationship's going to get in a heap of trouble. Because one or the other is going to become a selfish jerk. Men have a tendency to say, I want to be the boss, blah, 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 blah. And women have the capacity to say, you ain't kidding anybody but yourself. And so it goes from there, and the struggle begins. And the relationship that is when governed by the Spirit of God, a thing of absolute beauty turns into a train wreck. 
And it can happen to anybody who isn't governed by the presence of God because wherever God is in control, there is order and function that is beautiful to behold. Whether it's in a church, even in business, do you realize that 80% of businesses that are where there are two partners involved last less than three years before they break up. Businesses need to be governed by the present, and we shouldn't go in business with a non-Christian. We shouldn't marry. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't marry a non-Christian. You're creating a problem that's sooner or later going to blow sky high. And the Scripture says that clearly in the 7th chapter of 1 Corinthians. So, what he's saying here is, I'll, if you will accept the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, and he came to show you who I am. If you will put your faith in him, I will put my presence in you and help you through life to qualify for transferring to God's eternal kingdom with very little change. Jesus said it this way. He said, you know, our world... It's under the control of the devil. I, I get in trouble with preachers. And I get in trouble with, with people who keep... The kid that, that has the great old big church down in Houston, you know, it's, a, it's a, uh, a sports arena that they turned into a church building, and there's probably 20,000 people show up on Sunday. And he's a pleasant, happy young... And, and he's all the time saying, well, God's in control. No worry, God's in control. Well, he ain't. God created freedom for us to choose because love doesn't exist unless we're free to choose. Otherwise, we're programmed and couldn't do anything else anyway. That's not love. Love is, I am choosing to be faithful to that woman till I die. Love is, I am going to be faithful to my God until I die and go be with him. It requires that freedom to choose. That's why in the Old Testament, time and time again, it says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And it was Joshua who said, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And he's recorded in the annals of the kingdom of God. So Jesus was addressing this, and he said, Look, we're, we're living, we're living in, a, in a world it's dominated by the devil. And if you got eyes to see and ears to hear, you can, you, if you watch TV at all, you know that's the truth. Shooting kids. Putin, who might as well grow horns. Killing people indiscriminately just because he's an idiot. Dominated by the devil. And Jesus said, in this world that's dominated by the devil, I want you who are my followers to represent me this effectively. I want you to be like a city set on top of a hill with all the lights on. I want you to be that clearly seen, and I want you to represent me that effectively. Everybody can see it. Then he went ahead and said, So let your light so shine among men that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's why I mentioned those good works at the outset. And all of us need to be looking for opportunities. Now, if you think that when Calistan and I brought Patrick and Eddie over here, that was easy for her, then you've been smoking dope. No, it wasn't easy. Was it a, aggravating at times? Was it all that? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But you do it because 
That's what the kingdom of God is really all about. And we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then he'll take care of the other stuff. Now, with that said, let's move on. If you got your little idiot sheets in front of you, pull that up, look at it, and go to number three. <clears throat> chaos, and we'll go through this pretty quickly, chaos existed and became cosmos. What we live in is the creation of an orderly universe spoken into existence by the hovering presence of God himself. Now, I don't know whether you, you know, I grew up on a farm. We were poor people, living primarily from the garden that we grew ourselves. And in the summer, we, the air conditioning didn't exist. Television didn't exist. We had a Crosley radio. That's as good as it got. And in the summertime, we slept outside. If the weather, if it was not raining or something, we slept outside. Mother and Daddy had an old mattress they slept on. Gene, Chuck, and I slept on the ground. And it was, when, in looking back, it was wonderful. On a clear night, on a clear night, you can see the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper. You can see the North Star. You can learn how to go at night in which direction you're going just by those stars. And every night, you would see shooting stars this way, that way, on a clear night. They're there every night. You ought to go look sometime. It's amazing. There's, where goes one? I was coming back from a revival meeting. I was, we had a little church in Illinois. And I was coming home one night, probably one o'clock in the morning or so. Because the good thing about revivals is somebody fed you every night after church. <clears throat> And did you get that? All right. Anyway, I was coming home late, and, and something happened that really got, that was called, there's a, uh, the, they called it the slab, a thing that was just wide enough for one car to drive down there in Prairie Green Township. And I was coming down, and across the sky came a shooting star. This thing was probably no more than 500 feet in the air and burning up as it went. And somewhere out there, a few miles away, it hit the ground. That thing lit up everything in front of me as it went and went down. I can still see that as though it happened 15 minutes ago. Watching God's creation function is, is not only enjoyable, it's impressive. It was so impressive that David wrote... In the 19th Psalm, he said this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. If you've never been out at night, all night long, on a clear night with your kids to show them, if you have trouble getting them to understand who God is, let them see it. They'll remember it the rest of their life. I do. And the agent now of this ordering of families, of churches, of countries, the agent of that is what we call the Holy Spirit. The word holy just means totally different. Sanctified or holy is the same word. It means set apart, totally different. God is not a God that can be made with human hands. He is not an idol. He, there's nothing that... And, and when Solomon talked about this when he built the temple, he said, you know, God can measure the world by the... Strength of his, and, and all he was doing was human, using human illustration. What he was really saying is, there ain't nothing in this world that exists that is capable of helping us understand the totality of who God is. He's beyond our comprehensive powers. But what he's done and what he is still doing 
is totally impressive when you're tuned in it. See, so here, here's what happened. He said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use a family to describe who God is. And God will be the Father. Jesus will be the Son. And the Holy Spirit will be his instrument through which he gets his will accomplished. He's the agent of order. For the Spirit hovered over the, over the, 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 the stuff that God spoke into existence, and it became an orderly functioning universe so that the people could live there and emunate, uh, emunate, to live their life patterned after God that, and, and, and to the extent that when they die, they can just transition into God's eternal kingdom with very little change. For the Apostle Paul said this, For me to live is... Christ, and to die is gain. I'm getting out of this mess. And he lost his head literally there on the Appian Way just outside the walls of the city of Rome. So God the Father, he said, here's the way it works. God the Father speaks, and the Holy Spirit then listens to his word, and he acts on his word to accomplish his will. Now that hadn't changed. God has always does things the same. What happens today? How do people get qualified to go into this eternal kingdom? He says it's this way. There's the preaching of the word, and, the, and then the people repent of their sins. The Spirit of God comes in them, and so they hear the word, and then the Spirit of God takes us and prepares us for eternal king, life in his eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. And death is the mechanism where we lay aside anything that would keep us from going there so that we being a spirit can go there too. And where the spirit of the Lord is, the eighth chapter of the book of Romans says, when the spirit of the Lord, there's life. And where he isn't, there's death. And people get to choose whether they want to live or die. People who refuse to accept Christ. He's saying this, they don't have an excuse. They're without an excuse. <laughs> because the testimony of all the creation points to a creator who is God, who, who identified himself in this way. He became a man when Jesus gave up the glories of heaven and came to earth in order for us to understand better who God really is. When God created the original universe out of the stuff, he looked at it and said, this is really good. In fact, he used the term in Hebrew, very good. Why? Because it functioned to accomplish his will. Your life is really good when it is functioning according to the will of God. Because, you see, just as the original creation testifies to the Creator, your life and mine as a new creature in Christ Jesus is to testify to who creates us now to be like Jesus. Our life is to testify to our Creator because we and I are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So, okay, let's see where I am here. Oh, shoot, I'm doing good. I got another hour. All right. Actually, if you look carefully at the Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. You, you know, there, there is no excuse for not being a Christian. There isn't any. He says it this way. This is in the 21st of the first chapter of the book of Romans. He says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Now, so what he's saying is, the creation of the universe and it's functioning, and the new creatures in Christ Jesus living in a, way, in a manner that honors God should be sufficient 
for anybody to say, I believe in God. And, this, and, and if we do what we're supposed to do, and nature continues to function as it should, the evidence is so overwhelming that he's saying that anybody who doesn't choose to follow Christ is without excuse. They can't wait at the last minute and say, Whoa, maybe I was wrong. No, 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 no. You don't have an excuse. You have chosen eternally to be separated from God and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the New Testament teaches. But the choice is still ours. So, let's wind this thing up this way, looking at the last few things there. Number one, God is, most assuredly, a God of order, not chaos. Wherever there's chaos, somebody is being selfish. And all of us have a tendency in that direction. Only with the power of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of other Christians can we overcome that selfishness that all of us have. God is faithful, Paul said in the book of Corinthians, to do what he promised to do. If you repent of your sins, he will, he will not only hover over you, but he will enter into you never to leave you nor to forsake you. And he's faithful. He'll keep his word. God is love. And he's saying that if you want to live in my kingdom, you have to be loving too. You're not going to get in. The Apostle Paul said in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Now remaineth these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The others will disappear because faith will be realized when we see him face to face. The hope has been realized, but love must continue if we're to exist in the kingdom of God. God is holy. What do we mean by that? It means that he is totally different. He's pure. And he's consistent. The same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I are not very dependable at times because we allow that old selfish nature to reoccur. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said, to that old selfish nature, I die daily. God is totally unique. And lastly, and more important for our purposes today, God is forgiving. He, there isn't anything that you've done that he isn't willing to forgive and to forget. You and I are not good at forgetting. But he will forget it. And so when you stand before him, those things of which we have repented are gone, never to be mentioned by him again. In fact, the beauty of it is this. When, if you love Jesus and your life has been governed by the Holy Spirit to be conformed to who Jesus really is in your own life, when we stand before God, when we stand before him for judgment, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. And so we get to go to his eternal kingdom based on what God sees in Jesus because we have lived our life with the objective to become like Jesus. And if you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, that's your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal isn't, how much can I leave to my kids? The ultimate goal isn't anything to do with accumulation of anything in this world. The ultimate goal is for me to be 
on a daily basis, my objective is to be like Jesus. Now, Jesus is forgiving. And if you haven't been forgiven of your sins, there's nobody to blame but you. But you're not going to get to his eternal kingdom until you do. Until you're forgiven. And I think it's imperative that I let you know that you can get this taken care of before you leave this building today. But the decision is not mine. I agree with him. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the ball's in your court. And while we pray, if you want to come down here and fall on your knees, you do that. And you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and, and, to, and, to, and to become the dominant influence in your, in your life that the Spirit of God hovers over you with a desire to enter into you. That can happen to you today. And you will be as big a miracle as if when God spoke stuff into existence, he's getting ready to recreate you and to prepare you for citizenship in his eternal kingdom. But it's up to you. It's up to you. So let's pray. Lord, I don't know how to make it any clearer how important it is for us to ask for your forgiveness knowing for sure as faithful as you are that you will forgive us. And to claim your promise that through the power of your Holy Spirit as we submit to your Lordship that you'll recreate us into citizens for your eternal kingdom. And how I pray, Father, that this church can be filled with people who are preparing their lives for eternity by following Jesus. And if there's anybody sitting here this morning, Father, who isn't prepared who doesn't have citizenship in your kingdom, oh, may this be the day when they fall on their knees and invite you to be their creator in Christ Jesus. Bless us toward that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. If you're here and not a Christian, you get your carcass down here. Let's talk. The rest of you are free to go. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.